When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham sponsored by NordVPN. Now the transfer window is now closed. Tottenham managed to bring in two players in the month, Arno Danjuma and Pedro Porro. And now the attention returns to the Premier League and Sunday's home match against Manchester City. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Quite a busy week so far, Ali. <laughs> yeah. It's Spurs, isn't it? So there's always something happening. Um, obviously, straight off the bat, we have to say, obviously, really kind of um, surprise news about Antonio Conte. Um, obviously, we got through, ploughed through all of the transfer window stuff and we thought, oh, things will, will settle down now. Uh, and then, obviously, we heard the news about Antonio Conte um, suddenly feeling a lot of pain and having to have a, his gallbladder removed, um, having surgery, and, um, yeah, obviously, we, we wish him very well. We're without him today for the press conference. It'll be Christian Stellini this afternoon. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, that, that was a surprise one. And uh, clearly not a very pleasant experience at all for him. And, uh, yeah, hope, hopefully be back soon. I know you've been doing your NHS digging, um, as, as we all do, when there's anything slightly medical, <laughs> with, with, uh, even with players or anything, we all dive straight to Google and what the NHS would say. Uh, what, what what did it say about it for you? It depends on what type of surgery it is. Uh, you can have keyhole surgery or open surgery. Keyhole surgery, if you have that, you can you know go home the same day, and it's a couple of weeks really recovery time. If it's open surgery, you might be in hospital for a, a further four to five days, just trying to rest and recover, and then it could take up to eight weeks uh, to return. So. Conte did take to social media uh, on on Wednesday evening, and he did say he's already feeling a lot, lot better. And he'd like to thank all the Tottenham fans for the messages. So yeah, I think everyone's just wishing him uh, a speedy recovery. So as you say, it's Christian Stellini in the hot seat today for the press conference at Hotspur Way, and we're just now waiting uh, for the club to confirm who will be in the dugout on Sunday. And I think we're assuming uh, it, it will be uh, Christian Stellini. But like we say, uh, we're just waiting for that confirmation to come from the club. So, yeah, uh, just I think we're just wanting Antonio to uh, recover as quickly as possible. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's one of the most animated people you'll ever see. <laughs> so trying to keep him still as he tries to recover is surely going to be really difficult. Just to, just in any kind of walk of life, not even at a football match, he's a very kind of emotional chap. So, yeah, no, we wish him well and, and hopefully a speedy recovery. Right, shall we uh, move on to the transfer windows? There's an awful lot to talk about uh, what happened at Tottenham in January. As is usually the case at Spurs, it was a very busy end to the week. Uh, they'd already got Arnaud Danjuma in through the door uh, after he had a dramatic U-turn after looking set to join Everton, but then obviously moved to Tottenham. Tottenham did get a deal for Pedro Porro over the line on deadline day after a late scare on the eve of deadline day. And then there was exits for Brian Hill, Jed Spence and Harvey White on loan. Matt Doherty uh, left permanently uh, following a, there was a mutual agreement to terminate his contract so he could join Atletico Madrid. So plenty for us to get stuck into. Uh, George, just give us your thoughts, first of all, on Tottenham's January transfer window. Yeah, well, first I, I have to apologise to everyone because I kind of feel that the absolute chaos that be, ended up becoming transfer deadline day for Spurs was partly due to me because I said to Guesty, as we were about to, we, we had a little period, Guesty was on an early shift, I was on the late shift and kind of in the little middle period, I said to Guesty, do you know what? I think you've done best out of this because I think you've got all of the stuff that's kind of happening in the morning, might even get Porro confirmed by the time you finish um, and I've just got to like mop up any little bits and pieces that happen. 
Unfortunately, after Guesty went, <laughs> pretty much <laughs> all hell broke loose. We had absolute chaos with the Matt Doherty transfer. Uh, we had Porro stretching out somehow until 10 minutes before 11 o'clock deadline. Um, and various other little bits. Even after the deadline, there was a, a random one that I didn't even think that, I, I don't know, Adam Hayton went off to Barnsley, the young goalkeeper. And even he was like, okay, well, that was a little left field one that we weren't expecting. Um, yeah, it was, I don't think in those last three hours of the window, I've ever poured over FIFA rules as much as I had to um, with the Matt Doherty stuff, because that was an absolute joke. But in terms of the window itself, I feel like I'm kind of where I was uh, exactly 12 months ago, thinking I wish there'd been one more. Um, in this case, certainly, I'd, I'd love to have seen a centre-back. I, I do think it was. We knew that wasn't a priority for this window. We knew it was a right wing-back and um, an attacking player. But I just feel like if there's anywhere that you'd probably just want an upgrade, it would be uh, in that central defensive back line. Um, however, I do appreciate the fact that I think the bulk well, pretty much all of the defenders that Spurs have near the top of their list and they want are not available uh, in January. So I, I, I get that. But I think for me, it would have been a really good window had they brought in a bit of cover there. Um, you know, the guy that we'd reported way back, I think we were the first to report that Spurs were tracking him and interested in was Zabani, who's ended up going to Bournemouth. And I do wonder whether he's the one maybe they could have taken a little bit of a chance on. 20 million young player that everyone thinks is going to be a superstar. But obviously someone would have had to go out, presumably Jaffet Tenganga, you'd think. But then if I'm also going to shove the devil's advocate kind of hat on, is it worth buying Antonio Conte young players? <laughs> it's kind of like, mm, I kind of get now. Is like, it's almost a point of, oh, okay, is it really worth it? Should we just wait until the summer to see whether he's here or not? And I guess Bournemouth maybe could go down and then Zabani is back on the market again. Um, and you know whether he's adapted to English football. It's. I think this is one of Spurs' biggest issues right now. And for me, we're going to talk about their responses to the trust questions a bit later on in this. But that was one of the most key moments in that, was how they swerved the question about Conte's future in that. Because I think that's so important to everything they're doing right now. I feel they're trying to buy players that work post-Conte as well, just in case he isn't here. And that adds another layer of a complexity to the transfer window. So I'm hoping that as with it 12 months ago, everything that I kind of said last that time about, oh, there's only two, but hopefully they're good. And then they ended up being really transformational players for the season. I hope that these two are. I would say that maybe in this case, only one of them is a guaranteed starter, whereas maybe you look back 12 months ago and both you expected to come into the, the starting lineup. whereas Dan Juma, obviously, he may well end up being in the starting lineup depending on the form of others. But I do think Porro is probably the one out of the two that you think, okay, right, yeah, I get it. Okay, he's coming straight in there. He's going to start every major game pretty much. Cue Emerson Royale playing for us this season <laughs> with Porro to the pitch. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. I mean, God, who would have thought the day we watched uh, or heard those cheers of the whole stadium as Emerson Rao was taken off and he survived the cull on transfer deadline day. It's incredible. It's absolutely amazing that Matt Doherty is no longer a Spurs player and Jed Spence is in France and Emerson Rao's just sitting there going, hey, lads, I'm still here. <laughs> um, that's you know, not meant to be disrespectful. I think as a backup, he's absolutely fine, Emerson Rao. I think he is. I think, you know... I don't think, um, as, as a backup at all, he's the worst option. And um, I still wonder whether he's going to end up playing on the right of the back three at some point. I do wonder whether he's going to tinker with that at some point. But but that's another dis uh, discussion. But transfer window, yeah, I I'd give it... I'm really loath to give it a mark out of 10. People keep asking me to, and I was about to try and make myself do it there. But the problem is, is it's the unknown. Like last year, I would have said, meh, for that transfer window... So giving it like probably a seven, I probably would have. And it ended up being a 10 out of 10 window because it achieved everything they needed to achieve. Because hindsight is, is a beautiful thing. Um, I'd probably go with a six if I'm going to push myself into something. But I'm hopeful that by the end of May, we'll be talking about it as a 10 as well. 
What about you? Uh, probably six, seven out of ten. Like you're saying, it's a bit hard to judge it at the moment. You need to see what happens come May. And, you know, when Jose Mourinho was manager, everyone was, you know, hailing that summer transfer window when Gareth Bale returned, uh, Carlos Vinicius came in as striker cover for Harry Kane, Hoybieg, Doherty. And then, you know, got to the end of the season, you wouldn't have given it a mark of 10 out of 10. So, yeah, <clears throat> let's just wait until May and see... Uh, what mark we would give it but I think it's been a decent window for Spurs I think for me the squad's certainly stronger uh, yeah a number of players have moved out on loan but these are the players on the periphery of the team who weren't playing anyway and need to be playing first team football so yeah good for Brian Gill to go and get that football he needs at Sevilla same for Jed Spencer Wren Harvey White at Derby uh, shame to see Matt Doherty go. Real surprise when that news came through that contract uh, was mutually terminated. But great move for him. In terms of the incomings, they've strengthened the two priority positions. Uh, so credit to the club for doing that. Yes, it would have been nice to get Pedro Porro over the deal earlier in the month, but at least he's a Tottenham player now uh, going forward. And I think bringing Dan Juma in, uh, a goal on his debut uh, away at Preston in the Cup, uh, experience in the Premier League, experience in the Champions League, did really well at Villarreal. I think he could be a shrewd acquisition for the rest of the season. So I think game time will come his way. So all in all for me, I think it, it's been a decent window. But then again, I think there's always the feeling of maybe the club could have done a bit more, maybe bringing that sense back everyone wants. But then again, then as Fabio Paratici said in his sit-down interview, you know, you want to be bringing in players who can impact the team now and, and not just bringing anyone in for the sake of it. So I think that's certainly uh, one for the summer they need to address. But for me, yeah, a, a decent window and hopefully... Uh, it can have the same impact as it did 12 months ago when Rodrigo Bentancur and Dane Kulisewski came into the club. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess starting with the Poro one, there is a huge irony in that the transfer that was probably going to have the most bearing on how much, I guess, criticism the club got uh, in the weeks ahead Daniel Levy had to deal with a club who were dealing and negotiating in exactly the same way that he negotiates and deals with transfers. It was, that was, I, I think, I hope everyone appreciated the irony. I'm sure those at the top at Spurs didn't, but it was quite... I mean, now now it's done. We can kind of look back and laugh a little bit, but oh my goodness, that, that Sunday, everything went pear-shaped on Sunday and they really had to salvage it on the Monday. Um, and it's ended up being a deal, weirdly, that suits all parties. Because um, obviously it, it's weighted as a as a loan um, with an obligation to buy for about £39.5 million all in. Um, and, you know, his transfer will come across on the... Uh, be permanently registered with Spurs on July the 1st. Um, but it helped Sporting because it seems like they had various financial commitments that meant they needed this as a permanent deal to be registered on the next set of financial accounts for the next financial year. There's a part of me that wonders, because I kept getting told that they would owe Man City more money if Porro moved within a certain time frame, And I wonder whether this circumvents that and gets around that. That could be the financial commitments. I don't know. Um, and obviously with Spurs, it's, uh, it's one of those where I wonder whether Spurs probably wouldn't have wanted it termed as a loan because I think it gives it a different connotation. And obviously, you already see with, with there's some fans that are saying, well, it was two loans. That's all they've done. But it, it kind of, it is a permanent deal in all but the name. That loan, that first upfront loan fee payment is no different to had they bought him permanently through instalments. It's just the first instalment of all of their deal, uh, the money, which is why... <sighs> Well, we're going to talk about the, the trust responses from the club, which there's a there's a fair few things that I wasn't particularly enamoured with in them. But in one bit, they did say about spending £47 million in this window. And obviously, and understandably, the fans immediately went for that and said, oh, £47 million, eh, for two loans? Yeah, right, kind of thing. 
But technically, the Poro deal is just it is just a permanent deal. It is. It's a forty-seven million, um, sorry, thirty-nine point five million pound deal, which they must presumably that must mean the loan fee is is a little bit higher than we expected for Dan Juma then. Originally, It'd be interesting to see where that comes off. Is maybe that's why his options only twenty-one. Yeah, um, but, yeah, that could well be the case. Yeah, yeah, it might be. But um, but yeah, so it is on that. I will certainly have to give them that that it is a permanent deal. It just has been termed a loan purely for the sake of Sporting's accounts. Um, it, it's it's difficult. You know, I'm not a financial whiz or anything. I have absolutely no idea about financial stuff. So yes, when I look at a transfer fee, I probably always look at it as a as a, a lump sum rather than knowing that almost every club does it in installments and it's spread out. It's, you know, it's like I was buying a TV on credit or whatever. Um, but yeah, as for Poro, it, it's, I think he as a player is, is very exciting. Um, and I was thinking this, do you remember the home game under Nuno against Man City when Tanganga went in for that early challenge on Jack Grealish and it yes. lifted the yeah. whole state? I wonder whether if Porro does something impressive within the opening minutes against Man City, his old club on Sunday, I think that has a similar prospect of like a transformative effect on the mood. Because I think there'll be a, there'll be an apprehension uh, about that game, as always against Man City. I think if he goes in and everyone's like, whoa, okay, that is an upgrade kind of thing. And he does something that you're like, fair play. I think suddenly the atmosphere really kicks up a notch. And actually, yeah, it, it changes the thing. I did feel like Tanganga did that. So, um, so you think he will start? You're saying he will start against City? I don't see why he wouldn't, to be honest, because, well, <laughs> he uh, says as Emerson Royale is wheeled out. But he's absolutely fit. He's playing every game for Porto. His last game was on Saturday night, eight days before this transfer. He'll have had... Big old chunk of the week to train with the team. I think it would be mad to play Emerson Royale. I mean, yes, defensively, maybe if you want to look at it as that, that Emerson's going to do a better job, or not a better job, but you you know what he can do defensively, whereas Porro in the Premier League may be a bit more of an unknown. I think you have to, especially against his old team as well. I think he's going to be so fired up. Um, yeah. I know what you say. By the way, you can't see this, but Rob Guest is smiling right now because he he is pretty much certain that Emerson Royale is going to start. Which, I, oh my goodness, the fan base will be completely the opposite. I, I, think, I, that I wouldn't be surprised if Emerson starts this game. Uh, I, I just wouldn't, and I know what the reaction will be uh, come halfway yeah. when that team's announced. But I mean, we will discuss this in the Man City section. Yes, fair enough. Emerson could start. Oh my goodness! Oh, I just think that would be such a a misfire of a thing to do. Um, <laughs> I think he needs to. I think he needs to be out there. He needs to play. You need to see your big money signing because you know, especially for a right a right wing back, forty million is 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 not insubstantial for a, a Spurs signing. So yeah, I think he needs to get straight out there. And yes, he had a very late night on the, when was it, the Monday night. I think his flight got in at something like two in the morning or later than that, maybe almost three. But he's had a few, enough days now to have had good sleep, good rest, good training sessions, get the idea of how he's meant to play. And to be honest, he was playing as a wing back for sporting. So it's not like he's having to adapt to a different role. Um, I just hope that, obviously, the last Spaniard that came in and... Um, had to eventually play wing-back, Sergio Reguilon. Started really well and just never, ever took to that wing-back role. And I don't think he ever truly adapted to the Premier League. He started off like he was going to, and I don't think he really got a grasp on it. So, obviously, we have to hope that that Porro is able to. Um, there are a few unknowns in there, but you've got to hope that the scouting's been right. You know, they've wanted him for a few years. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what he does. He is an exciting player. Um, and funnily enough, ever since he's been linked with Spurs, his attacking stats have got better and better and better. Because I remember writing an article about a month, two months ago, saying that, you know, he, he needs to improve on this, he needs to improve on that. And then when he before he signed, I looked at his stats, he's got 11 assists and three goals. It's like, okay, <laughs> he's clearly been working on all those things. Um, so yeah, if you can bring that to the Spurs team, I think you'll find 
the likes of Kane and, and Sonny, Kulisevsky and all that. I'm excited to see the right-hand side of the team and how they benefit from him because you've now got Romero, Bentancur, um, Porro and Kulisevsky potentially as your right-hand side, which is a very, very talented right-hand side. So, yeah, no, I, I like the Porro signing. I'm just glad to have finally got it over the line. Not me personally, but the club. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, a really exciting signing and it's the player all Tottenham fans wanted as well. And just having a look at Porro's first interview with Spurs, he has mentioned that he has been watching a number of Tottenham games this season. Uh, so I think he'll know. He's playing in two of them, so I hope he's watching. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll know how, how they're playing. I think what was probably exciting uh, for quite a lot of fans as well is Dane Kulaseski had a really good partnership with Matt Doherty, a right wing back. Yeah. And Kulaseski is such a smart player that there could be, uh, you know, a really, really good partnership between these two players. And I think with Doherty and Kulaseski, they didn't really need a lot of time to hit it off. It was very much just yeah. natural. And as I was saying, Kulaseski is such a, you know, a smart player that there could be an instant, uh, you know, collaboration between the two uh, right there. So I think well, it's... We saw it in the friendlies with Spence. Yeah, I know yeah. there are only friendlies, but even Kulaseski with Spence was a really good partnership. So yeah, I think you're right. He's a very clever player. Yeah, so, yeah, then we're just all looking forward to seeing Porro playing our plenty of games coming up uh, over the course of the month. Obviously, City first up, then Leicester and AC Milan away, uh, West Ham and Chelsea at home. Yeah, fingers crossed they will be able to have that impact as Benson Kerr and Kulosevsky had at the back end of last season. Although it sounds like you think Emerson Royale is going to start every game, so that's right. not every game. I, I just <laughs> it wouldn't be a shock to me at all if he does start against City. It just wouldn't. Yeah. The other thing we should say about the Porro deal: there are reports in in Portugal that um, the Marcus Edwards sell-on clause was reduced as part of the deal. Um, Spurs originally had fifty. I think when he went from Vitória to Sporting, it went down to forty-five, if I remember correctly, or roughly around there. Um, and now it sounds like it's gone down to 30%. So I think that was part of negotiations as well. Um, and he will wear the number 23 shirt, Porro. And uh, who is the last person to wear that? I know you know this. Steven Bergwijn scored on his debut against Man City. Indeed. So what does that what does that mean for a debut against Man City? Although apparently he's not playing, so scratch <laughs> that. <laughs> last minute winner when he comes off the bench. Uh, right, sticking with right wing backs. Let's talk about Matt Doherty because this was such oh. a surprise on the final day of the win that obviously we, we reported in the month that if Tottenham could bring in a right back and bring in Porra, then maybe that could open up the door for one of Matt Doherty or Emerson Real to go out uh, to go out of Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, as well as Jed Spencer, who was always expected to depart on loan. Uh I think, as we said during the week, Atletico Madrid were one of the clubs looking at Jed Spence, but he turned them down to go to Wren. And then in the end, Atleti moved for Matt Doherty and great move for him, but a real, real shock to just see there be a mutual termination of his contract just because of this unknown loan situation, really, to Tottenham. Oh, honestly, <laughs> it's just <laughs> chaos. It was brought to my attention before it started to really get out there. Um, a good probably hour, hour and a half before it started to get out there that, about this FIFA rule. Um, and I, did, I went to the club with it and I was like, I've read these rules so many different ways, so many different times, and I cannot see how Spurs can get around them. The only one we were kind of, I mean, an R and over, there was a rule about having um, 21 and under players who were club trained. And there was some like, oh, does this mean either or? But it didn't. It was quite clearly stated, like, it's and. So Destiny Udogi, who we thought maybe would come into that, didn't because he's not club trained by Tottenham. He's club trained by Udinese. So, but there was a real confidence. Oh, no, everything's fine. It's fine kind of thing. And and we knew early in the day, it, it was coming quite strong out of the club that it was going to be a lone move with no option or obligation for Matt Doherty to go. Um. <laughs> then I think did I say to you I said it to a few people anyway that the only way I can see this kind of happening now is if it's permanent and in shock horror suddenly the announcement comes out we've terminated his contract and he didn't even mention Atletico so he can go to his next club was the line 
And it's like, so at some point in the day, someone's realized, ah, oh, pants. <laughs> this, this FIFA rule that's changed um, for this season, actually, we've already got eight international loan uh, players out on the international loans. We can't have a ninth. That's the limit. Um, and they've had to do this absolute butchered deal, which when you look at it on the face of it, uh, it's a fantastic deal for Matt Doherty because let's be honest, financially, there is no way he's going to have compromised himself. So there will be a way that he will be earning what he would have earned for the next 18 months. However, that is packaged up. It will be done in that way. But from the Spurs point of view, they've lost him for nothing. They've absolutely lost him for nothing. Um, and let's say, I mean, this isn't like, obviously they, they cancelled Sergio Aurier's contract mutually um, a while back, but that only had 12 months left to, to go. Matt Doherty's had 18 months left to go. So by all logic, if you wanted him to leave in the summer, then what, for a 30, 31-year-old, probably maybe three, four, maybe five million you could have still got for him, I think. So they've written that off as well in letting him go on a free six-month contract. Although some people have pointed out if um, they don't take up... Uh, if you'd, you'd think there must be an option in there. No one's reported on it, but you'd think there'd be an option for Atletico to take him for longer than six months if he performs well. But either way, if they don't, then technically Spurs could sign him back as a free agent if they really wanted to in the summer. Um, although I can't see that happening now. That would be a bit awkward especially with Jed Spencer to return and all this sort of stuff but honestly absolute chaotic deal um <laughs> Matt has ended up going to you know an, uh, one of the biggest clubs in the world um as well so I think he's done very well out of this and we saw what happened with with Kieran Trippier they clearly look after their um their players very well and develop them um, they've got a real thing about Spurs fullbacks, though. Trippier, Regulon, uh, tried to go for Emerson last summer and this January, tried to go for Jed Spence, and then ended up with Matt Doherty. So they've gone through five Spurs fullbacks. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good move for him. I, think it's a, I do think it's a loss for the squad. He was a very, very popular player, not least pretty much best mates with Harry Kane and Eric Dyer as well. Um, I don't think they'll be that delighted. I know players were absolutely shocked when they found out he was going. Um, I know this. I know there were a fair few players that were having phone calls or video calls, whatever, and as they found out the news were absolutely gobsmacked. That I don't think anyone, probably Matt Doherty included, thought, even at the start of this window, that he'd be the one going. I think everyone really expected Emerson Royale would go, but the fact that Emerson Royale really had no intention of going anywhere... Um, meant that that wasn't really going to happen. And, and eventually they were always going to turn their attention to Doherty. But yeah, to end up having to do it like this and him not be a Spurs player anymore is just madness. Um, but hey, it's the way football works. Um, and it just ends up making the deal for Porro all the more expensive because Matt Doherty had to go out and he's lost for nothing. Um, but there you go. That's football. And actually, I should just point out as well two other things. Um, that he's now gone out the door means that that, I think you mentioned it earlier, that transfer summer or the window summer of 2020 for Mourinho, it's only Hoybier left at the club. <laughs> what what a transfer window. Like you say, we all thought at the time, like what an amazing window, Bale's back. But you look at it now, Bale, Joe Hart, Matt Doherty, Carlos Vinicius, all gone permanently. Regulon and Roden both away on loan. It is only Hoybier that's wearing a shirt still of Spurs from that uh, window. It's absolutely mad. So that's two and a half years on. An entire transfer window worth of work is deemed either the player's not good enough um, or, you know, well, essentially, yeah, not good enough for Spurs, really. It's an absolute damning indictment of, of their transfer policy and the fact that they're changing managers so much in recent years. They're constantly having to change the type of player profile of player um you know absolute catastrophic catalog of errors that's difficult to say um and the other thing to look at it as well is when you look at all of those players out on loan so you've got like Tongi on Giovanni Lo Celso, Sergio Reglon, Brian Hill now, Harry Winks, Joe Roden, Jed Spence, Destiny Doggy, 
that's almost two hundred and fifteen million pounds worth of transfers that they've got sitting out on loan at other clubs. Honestly, there's no way of dressing that up as anything other than an absolutely appalling few years of transfers. It really is. You look at all of those players from 2020 that have gone. You look at all of those players sitting out on loan. Spurs are a club. They can't, they're always saying, we can't afford to make mistakes. We can't afford to. You've got more than £200 million of players <laughs> sitting out on loan that are mistakes. <laughs> look at yourselves. It's absolute madness. Um, and the thing is, let's say Conte goes in the summer, once again, the profile of the players they have to sign will change with whoever the next manager might be. And some of those players may come back and suddenly be players that are playing for the next manager. Oh, honestly, Tottenham Hotspur, I will always say it, but what a football club. They really do manage to make some weird decisions. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Really hope it works out for Matt Doherty in Spain. He was Thank speaking you. at his uh, presentation the other day and he was saying obviously six-month contracts, and it's like really down to him to make sure that contract's extended uh, further by, you know, just playing well, making a real impression under Diego Simeone. And fingers crossed it works out a lot better than how Sergio Reguillon's loan spell at Atleti is going so far because they missed an awful lot of football so far this season through injury. Uh, I think he's made a couple of appearances. He got sent off away at Almeria a couple of weeks ago. And I don't think he's really been starting. So hopefully... Uh, he's been unused, unused sub in the last few games. So hopefully it works out uh, for Doherty. He did for Kieran, Kieran Tripp here. So hopefully he yeah. can follow in the same footsteps as him. Uh, another right wing back going out the door, Jed Spence. Uh, he moved to Wren. Bit of a surprise, really. I think we all expected him to go to a fellow Premier League club and get that experience in the top flight. But Wren, who already have Joe Roden on the books following his move uh, from Tottenham this summer, have uh, brought in Jed Spence to solve their right wing back was at the moment. So I think they've got one player out for the rest of the season and then one who's probably out for a month. So I was speaking to a, a French journalist on Tuesday and he's saying Spence really has a a one-month window when this position should be his own to make a case for it for the rest of the season. So, yeah, uh, he will get the football he wants now, uh, between now and May, because 41 minutes across six appearances for a player of his age and quality certainly isn't good enough. He needed to get a move away from Tottenham this summer because it was no good for him. You know, he wasn't even on the bench at times. He was mainly in the uh, stands. And yeah, this move to Wren, I think potentially his debut on Saturday, I believe, against Lille at home. And hopefully he can, you know, get that start and just kick on from there because he's got an opportunity now to make a real case uh, until the end of the season and put himself firmly in the window for the right wing-back position at Tottenham come the summer. Yeah, I think it's a really clever move because it's all very well saying that, you know, oh, he should have gone to a Premier League club and we would love to see him at a Premier, club, a Premier League club even. I think that would have definitely been a, a big kind of move for him. However, every indication that I've got is that all the Premier League clubs that made offers, they all had either options or obligations to buy. And from what I understand, neither Jed nor the club wanted to leave permanently. Um, I think, you know, Jed Spence believes that he can still be a big success in the, in the Spurs shirt. It's just a case, really, of either building the, his experience in developing away from the club and coming back, or, let's be honest, maybe Antonio Conte not being there and the next manager being someone who is more, uh, how do I put this, um, enjoys more, maybe, developing young players in the first team. I think that's probably the way to look at it. You do have some managers that, that pr almost prefer to look at younger players. I guess they're more moldable and they're more willing to follow them. Maybe just less hassle for them. I don't know. Um, 
as we know, Antonio Conte, he prefers a more ready-made player. Um, it's a clever move, though, because, yeah, like I say, turning down these offers and obligations to buy, including one from, from Brentford, an obligation to buy. Um, and then he had the choice of five different European clubs, which obviously we said Atletico was one. Sassuolo from um, Italy were another. Um, and the reason he chose Ren is exactly like you say. They had the, I can't remember his name, the backup right back who's out for the bulk of the season. Um, and I think the, the captain, um, Hamari Torore, I think it's it could even potentially be longer than a month. Certainly from the stuff that I was hearing from out of, out of Ren, it, it could be even longer than that. So like you say, Jed Spencer's now got this real run of games where he can make himself the first choice really get his head down. I think having Joe Roden there is going to be a massive help as well in settling. Um, you know, he's a very kind of outgoing, friendly young man. And uh, I think he's been learning his French and, and Jed's got to do that now as well. So I'm sure that'll, um, that that's a very, another important part of it all. Um, and yeah, now it's just down to him. You and I will be keeping an eye on him with our lone roundup. So we'll know exactly what he's up to and how he's getting on. Um, and yeah, I think it's a it's a good deal for all parties at this point because clearly, with forty one minutes to his name since arriving, despite the fact it's utterly ridiculous that you have to loan out one of your summer signings six months on, exactly as they do with Brian Hill last season. Um, you know, it's uh, I think it had to be done. Sadly. Yeah, and another player who headed out of the door uh, on the eve of transfer deadline day, Brian Hill. I think this was another move that really needed to happen, especially with Arnaud Danjuma coming in. just really limits his game time uh, even more. And such a strange deal, really, this. Uh, what Severe have come out of the initial deal in the summer of 2021 when Brian Hill joined, Eric Lamella going in the opposite direction, and was it 21 million they got as well? Yeah. And now yep. Severe have... 21 million, Eric Lamella and Brian Hill. Unbelievable. <laughs> really. It's like, it? it's like selling your house to someone and then they say, no, nah, it's all right. You can keep living in it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Excellent. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, Brian did head out back to Spain 12 months ago, joined Valencia. Really, really good loan spell, played a big part in them, uh, reaching the Copa del Rey final. And yeah, he'll, he'll get the minutes he wants. And a bit of a change, really, in circumstances because rewind probably about three or four weeks. I think, was it you asked Christian Stellini in the press conference? Yeah. Will Brian Hill be staying now after those performances against Palace and Portsmouth? And it did sound like he would be staying, but, you know, things can change in football. And unfortunately, uh, Brian Hill's gone out of the door. Dan Juma's coming in, but I think it's a move the player wants as he will get the football uh, at his uh, hometown club in Sevilla. Yeah, you know my thoughts on this deal. <laughs> <laughs> Guess he is fully aware that this deal irritates me more than probably any of the transfers that happened in the window. Because I think Brian Hill's going to be such a super little player. I really think he is. And I don't think he's done anything in the recent weeks to justify him kind of being pushed out the door either. Look, I know he will want to go. And I think from what I understand, and I think he's actually said it publicly, his family have been very keen on getting him back to Spain as well. We mustn't forget, he is a very young man. He's still only 21. Um, he's tried to adapt to a different culture and lifestyle. And and I do I do think his performances have shown that he can be quite important. Even coming off the bench, we saw against Preston. Even when he was days away from going out the door, he's come off the bench. So, yeah, I'm, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, well, I I do understand it, sadly. But, again, a bit like the Emerson kind of sticking around and Matt Doherty heading out the door and Jed Spence. Similarly, Lucas Moura is still at the club, <laughs> despite the fact that he has barely kicked a ball this season and is likely to leave in three, four months' time. Um, I just find that, I mean... I guess trying to be dev plays a devil's advocate again. I guess maybe you're thinking, okay, well, Lucas didn't want to go in the end with the offers he got. I understand he got a few offers from the Premier League, one very lucrative one from Qatar, and ended up 
sticking around because I guess in the summer he's going to have a wider choice of clubs as well to to pick from. I suppose you think to yourself, well, if we're not getting him off the wage bill anyway, maybe we use as much as we can of him, especially as it hopefully, fingers crossed for him, looks like he might be having a good enough run of good days with this inflamed tendon that he's able to play. He's back in team training. Obviously played against Arsenal in the under-21s for the first 45 minutes. So maybe you think, okay, well, we use his experience because, let's be honest, Conte likes them experience. He likes his experienced players. So he can turn to him and Brian Hill heads off, no option, and comes back in the summer kind of ready when there's no Lucas in the way. But, oh, it really winds me up. It does. I mean, yes, for, for Sevilla to sell Brian Hill and in return get 21 million Eric Lamella and Brian Hill is maybe the best deal in transfer history anyone's pulled <laughs> off. And it makes Spurs look like such a bunch of mugs. It really does. Um, I, I honestly, I just wish the best for him. Exactly like Spence uh, going out as well. I hope they go away, play loads and loads and loads of football and come back and make it really difficult for whoever is the manager to not involve them far more heavily next season. Um, because, yes, it's very, very annoying. When you sign one of... Uh, a player who was really considered one of the most talented young players in Spain, and they've managed to make a mess of it. And that winds me up greatly. Right, as we're now halfway through the pod, Ali, do you want to tell everyone about the benefits of using NordVPN? Yep. Um, obviously, you know that uh, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world, which means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. Um, something that I've had to do many times while abroad to try and watch various services I've had uh, in the UK, you know, watch football, watch movies, watch TV shows on, on various streaming services that for some reason, when you head abroad, are restricted. And uh, likewise, you can do it the other way around and you can watch stuff from other countries um, and get products and services from other countries because you can just switch your phone to, to believing it's in a different country. Um, and it all works out, I mean, cost-effectively because the outlay on a NordVPN subscription ends up being cheaper for you in the long run. And that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. For example, YouTube Premium. It's just 85p if you change your virtual location to Argentina. And let's say you could even book flights from other countries, so they and they can be cheaper as well. So it means that while you're paying out for Nord, you're saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN as well. So why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right. Let's now discuss Tottenham's responses to the questions Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust submitted to the club. I think it was four questions, questions for about, you know, like the club strategy going forward, uh, transfers, Antonio Conte's position at the club as well. I know, Ali, you were covering this yesterday and I think you've got some things to say about the responses. I do. Just very quickly before we move on, just because I don't want to feel like he was left out or anything, Spurs also did sign Jude Sunset-Bell on transfer deadline day. Obviously, we didn't really include him in that discussion we just had because he is for the academy. He's, I don't want, you know, fans got very annoyed on Twitter. Even he did a lovely interview today, which I thought was a really mature, interesting interview. But obviously, the standard expected replies underneath are, oh, you're dressing this up as a first-team signing and it's not... He, he's not. He's not a first-team signer. We know that. He's come in to help the academy for now and then hopefully go out on loan in the summer. Um, 19 years old. Honestly, Chelsea really wanted to keep him. And Man City and a lot of the other European clubs wanted him. Very talented young 19-year-old. Young 19-year-old. <laughs> he's a 19-year-old. Um, and honestly, keep an eye on him. I think he's going to... He, he's very close mates, I think, with Alfie Devine and Dane Scala and um, a few of the other lads as well. So... I think he's going to fit in very quickly. And yeah, honestly, he made his Chelsea debut last season, the Carabao Cup. He's going to be really one to watch out for. But yes, back to the trust and their questions and uh, Tottenham's response. Right. My opinion on this, because yes, I very much just presented it out there as fact and, and asked the, the fans to kind of give their opinion. So 
my take on it is that there were some good points made by the club, but unfortunately for me, it was all wrapped up in this very defensive, quite condescending set of replies. And I think for me, it undid a lot of the stuff that could have had an impact in the answers. I really felt that. It was almost like, you don't know what you're talking about kind of replies. Um, and there was one where they like, you know, we, we I want to find the, the piece because it was properly hitting back. It was, uh, God, there was, there were so long the answers. Well. Here we are. So it says, um, this was the one actually where they swerved around the contact because they were quite clearly asked, you know, he hasn't signed a new contract and tells us we should lower our expectations. Uh, essentially asking about a manager that's that's not really seeming committed to the club. Um, and they said, oh, like everyone at the club, our head coach wants the team to compete for top honours. Uh, the club has invested heavily in the club. And then they talk about since the opening of the stadium, they spent more than $500 million, um on the squad, putting them in the top quartile of spending in the Premier League quartile. I mean, it's a lovely word, but stuff like this, it's just like... You want to talk to your fans. Just just make yourself this really weird, aloof, jargony kind of bunch. Um, talking about investment in the women's team. And then they said, in addition, summer investment of over 200 million. And we've committed to a further 47 million pound spend this summer. Um, I'm intrigued about those figures because I do wonder what's been wrapped up in the 200 million and what's been wrapped up in the 47 million. Um, and I hope I've seen some people saying, have they included future fees in the 200 million um or, or not or, or sorry fees from previous so like i guess romero so romero have they included his fee in that price despite the fact that that was originally done and then pay later whereas they've lobbed poro i guess into this one as a whole if you see what i mean so it's kind of like slight double standards maybe maybe and then they kind of hit back and they said, despite this, we consistently see references to our perceived lack of backing for head coaches and lack of spending. Um, it's important that we deal with facts. Our spend levels quite clearly show that we've backed our football side. There's always a fine line between long-term investment and short-termism, which is why our recruitment has to be first class. <laughs> we've just been talking about that. It hasn't been. Um, mistakes at this level leave a financial and sporting impact for future seasons. Yes, I know. You've been making them. We have felt the financial impact of supporting player purchases which have not worked out as hoped, right? Well, at least they admit it. We have taken steps to improve this area of operations and the recent windows reflect this. <clears throat> to a degree, you know, we've just loaned Brian Hill out for the second time and he was part of one of these uh, recent windows. Jed Spence was signed in a recent window, is now out on loan. So, yeah, I think... <sighs> I didn't like the tone of the responses, and I think that is, will have damaged anyone that didn't. I don't think they've won anyone new over. I think that's the problem because of the tone of it. Um, I do think, I think that's it. I think, like I said right at the top of it, I do think there's some good points in there, but it's just this inability to acknowledge mistakes. And I think, had they just come out and said, look, what we've always tried to do is try to make decisions with the best interest of the club at heart. We're not always going to get it right. We're human. We're going to make mistakes. Um, and, you know, we've done that. We've changed up managers. We've uh, then had to react to those different managers. And that's meant a constantly fluctuating uh, transfer profile, which has then meant we've been saddled with players that we can't sell because, Premier League clubs often do give, give players better wages and it's difficult sometimes to shift those players to other clubs where they're going to earn less and also to clubs that maybe don't have the same amount of money to spend the fees to recoup what was paid. I think if they were just honest and in that regard and just said, yeah, we've made some mistakes, we're so sorry, but everything we're trying to do is in the best, best interest of you and the club. And, you know, I think, from what I'm told, I think Daniel Levy is a Tottenham fan. You know, if, if I'm the club and I'm, you know, hearing his name chanted every match now to get out, I personally would be playing on that, trying to show that he's supposed to be one of them. But it's just there's never this sense of this. It's always these these people at the top of a tower looking down upon everyone. And they just never humanise themselves and bring themselves as part of the group 
it's and then when you come out with stuff like this which it did it almost felt like a a slightly angry repost all of it and it's just like no i think all you're doing then is you're you're further igniting and sparking those who who want you out of the club um yeah i mean just for goodness sake sit down and do an interview not an in-house club interview. Sit down. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be us. I'm not saying that, you know, we're <laughs> not London wanting exclusive. Of course we'd love to have the exclusive. But just sit down. Sit down and have a press conference. Answer some difficult questions. And, and I think that would go such a long way to properly explaining what's happening. Uh, and I must stress, I'm not saying that the trust questions aren't difficult because I think some of them are very good. Um, but because it's in written form, of course they're able to swerve around it. Um, yeah, so I think I'd just love to see a Daniel Levy press conference that isn't to promote some shirt sponsorship deal or the stadium opening. They're the only times that we ever had a press conference with him years back, and they weren't really questions or ones where you could kind of crowbar those kind of questions in. Just sit down with us, explain stuff, and maybe they come out looking slightly better for it. But uh yeah, I, I don't think it was great. And we've still got the financial results to come, which if logic tells us they're going to be a lot better than pandemic financial results because of a fully open stadium, I think we know what's going to happen <laughs> with the reaction to these financial results, which have been ready for a long time. So please put them out and not in the middle of the night <laughs> when we can all see them. Right. Speaking of finances, obviously this week it's been reported that Tottenham uh, set to sign a 42.5 million sponsorship deal with the South African government, whose tourism board plans to attract more visitors uh, to the country. Yeah, I think this is a big, big talking point in South Africa, isn't it? Yes, yes. Talking about decisions that don't particularly go <laughs> down well with people. Um, so this is now being confirmed by... What it is, is South Africa Tourism, which is a branch, obviously, of the South African government. Um, they've been looking for financial opportunities to invest um, in a Premier League club. So I think Spurs may be the only club that doesn't have a tie-up with some kind of country to uh, promote them. Um, and from what I understand from the, the way this has been reported in South Africa, it sounds like this has been something that's been knocking around for at least six years um uh, as a potential thing that could happen and now what's happened is south africa tourism their board has given conditional approval to a deal that would be 910 million south african rand which is 42.5 million pounds for three years sponsorship at spurs i should stress that this still means it's not near the final stages i think it then has to go to um people that can actually vote about it um let me get i've got the actual terms here it would still need to go to uh the tourism ministry and then after that receive approval from the national treasury and the reason that it's causing a, a real big kind of thing in south africa is obviously it's, it's a country that's financially struggling at the moment they're having some really really tough times um and so to see publicly that £42.5 million is going out of the country towards something else, I can 100% understand that is a, that's a bad look. And that's why I wonder whether we'll end up going through to the final stages or not because of this public opinion. Um, I mean, they had a press conference. Um, I want to get his name right, the chap. He was the uh, acting CEO. Yeah, the acting... CEO of South African Tourism, Themba Kumalo. Um, and he, while he didn't confirm or deny the, the, the figures involved, he spoke about the deal. Um, and what their thinking is, is, and there's been like leaked documents as well in the South African media, is that in their thinking, yes, it's £42.5 million going out, but it will make, what, five, six times that in revenue coming back because they believe that the UK is their, probably one of their biggest thriving markets of tourism. So if they can get people coming over, spending money in South Africa, it has a knock-on effect and they get far more money back into the country than they're putting out there. And the other thing that he said as well is that that is part of the tourism budget. This isn't money that is ring-fenced for other stuff in the government. It hasn't been suddenly 
pushed their way so they can get a Premier League deal. It was part of their budget, and they're trying to put it towards this form of tourism advertising. Um, so I can understand that, but I can also understand hugely how publicly it doesn't look great. I mean, if we're going to separate all that side of it, of course, for Spurs, that would be a big deal, having £42.5 million put into the club over three years. That, that's a massive thing. I think certainly the one I know of is Arsenal have got like Visit Rwanda everywhere, haven't they? So it would be that sort of thing, whether that ends up being some kind of something on their sleeves, on the shirt, and certainly it'd be very prominent around the stadium. I don't know, but yeah, we'll see. I think there's a long way to go on that one yet, but I can certainly understand the controversy um, and also kind of understand the reasoning behind the tourism boards, what they're trying to say. But yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one that's really come out of the... uh, South African media have done a lot of investigative work into it in recent days, which is quite fascinating to read as well. You'd imagine if it does go through that, that could potentially lead to a, a tour of South Africa. Uh, once some and have Tom, Tottenham, actually, Tottenham actually toured South Africa before early noughties. I'm sure you had. Oh, it's been a while because they used to have um, South African midfielder, didn't you? I can't remember his name. It was defender. It was defender that could play midfield. Um, was it Mabuela? Mabuzela, oh my goodness, yeah, something like that. Yeah, began with them. Yeah, um, yeah. He didn't play much. He only had a couple of appearances, not too many. Uh, very talented young man. I remember him. Um, and yes, yeah, I think you're right. I think they did go over there, and maybe play an exhibition game, perhaps even. I can't remember. It's a long time ago. Um, yeah, maybe. I think the the indication has always been that it's likely it's going to be America this summer. Um, that was as, even when we were in Korea, that was being spoken about as the next destination. So, yeah, whether it's something within this three year period, if the sponsorship comes to be, um, yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? It, ultimately, being entirely cynical, it has to, it'll be whatever is the most money spinning for the club. Um, as, as these tours, I guess, I suppose it's part of it. It's also part of bringing the football to the Spurs fans around the world. Yeah. Right, let's just move on to Sunday's Premier League game against Man City. We've only got a couple of minutes, really, to play with as you need to make your way to Hotspur Way uh, for Christine Stellini's press conference. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. As we know, City did beat Tottenham a couple of weeks ago, 4-2 after coming from two goals behind. But Pep Guardiola's men have really, really struggled at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium since it opened. They've lost all four games and they've not scored either. So, yeah, I don't think they've scored. Uh, I think it was 1-0 last time. Then the last game, Nuno was manager. That's how long ago it was. That was opening day of uh, last season. Before that, 2-0 win. I can remember Giovanni Lacelso scoring late on after coming off the bench. That was during lockdown. The Steven Bergwijn game. And then Son in the Champions League. So I I don't think City have scored. So, yeah, going to be an interesting one. Spurs obviously need to win in the top four race. I think Newcastle are at West Ham. Man, you at home yeah. to Crystal Palace. You'd imagine both probably will pick up the three points. Uh, going to be interesting as well in terms of team selection, as we always also mentioned earlier in the pod. I can see Emerson starting. Just Who <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>, Rob Guest? <laughs> Obviously, I do want to see Porro start, and that's what all Tottenham fans uh, will want to see as well. But Emerson has started the games against Man City, and he has done well defensively. Good. And he did yeah. play really, really well at the Etihad uh, a couple of weeks ago. So with Porro just coming in this week, I wouldn't be surprised if Emerson starts. I do hope it is Porro, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if it is Emerson. Yeah, I think you, I. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I think it would. I think I could understand it just about tactically because of like you say, he's played well against City. It's a big first game to throw Porro into, but I just think everyone needs a lift, and I think it gives that. Um, I think it would be quite. You know, it's playing your top target in the window in his first game. He's absolutely fit and ready to play. Unless this is something we're not aware of after the final, like a little knock or anything he picked up. He should be eight days on from his last match, ready and raring to go. Um, and, did, and ready to make an did, impression. Uh, 
Benton Kerr and Kulosevsky, they were both on the bench, weren't they? On their Tottenham debuts. Was that against Brighton in the Cup? Both came on? Kulosevsky certainly certainly came on. I can't remember if Benton Kerr started. I'll have a quick look. I'll let you look that up while I'm I'm giving my my thoughts on it. Um, I think, other than that, I mean, the team should be pretty strong. I'm trying to think, is there any... Are there any injuries now? No, I think he'll be, like you say, pretty strong early decision for me. It'd be left wing back as well because Perisic had an absolute nightmare at the Etihad. Ryan Sessignon didn't have the best of games at Preston the other day, so no. there's a decision Although defensively to make there. he did. Yeah, I looked back going and forward, his defensive not. stats were excellent. Yeah, but going forward he was poor. So I think that's one of those where I think fans would probably be happy with Perisic, but tactically it might not be the best choice because of the, the ability of City of getting in behind him like they showed. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Are there any injuries now Lucas is back? Uh, I can't I mean, we'll find, I'll find out. We'll in a, find in out a, soon. But yeah, I I'll find out soon. But, oh, Richarlison. Um, but he should be back. The, the thought was he was going to be back. But yeah, I think this could be the strongest Spurs team we've seen in a long while in terms of that and the bench. It's going to be a lot of decisions on that bench. Who doesn't get in? Um, a lot of players. That, um, oh, Pape Matassar had a hip injury. Yes. Um, whether he's available or not, I don't know. Um, I might ask about him actually in the presser. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. It'll be a strong one. I hate the fact that there's been this run where City have struggled because I always feel that these kind of runs have to come to an end at some point. Um, but no, it should be a good game. Yep. Rodrigo Benson Kerr didn't start against Brighton oh, in the go. cup. Spot it was on. a midfield two of Harry Winks and Pierre Emil Hoybieg. But he did impress oh. in those 13 minutes on the pitch. Right. Let's leave it there for today's latest episode of Golden Guests Hot Tottenham. As always, thank you for tuning in and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.